Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Hey there, Russian Doll fans. We are talking about two episodes of Netflix Russian Doll tonight. Episode 5, Superiority Complex, and Episode 6, Reflection. We're also going to be reflecting on some of our own predictions, our thoughts on the episode, breaking down a little bit of news and gossip, and of course, we're going to talk about our special segment we call What the Hell is Happening? We talk about your theories as well. Stay tuned. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz Hello, everybody. Welcome to AfterBuzz TV's Russian Doll After Show. We're talking about two different episodes of Russian Doll this evening. The fifth episode in the series uh, called Superiority Complex. Even though this whole show is pretty superior. Also, and complex. And complex, <laughs> yeah. And episode six, Reflection. I'm your host, Elena Jordan, and Amy couldn't be here today, but the phenomenal Imani is here. Hey, we miss you, Amy. What's up, guys? It's Imani here. What did you think of these episodes? These episodes. Oh, my gosh. I can't even just say that it was deep because they've all been deep, but actually, I think this it was deep. I mean, we're getting to the root of some seri- serious issues and some past traumas, obviously. This is, yeah, this is, show is really, really diving in now because we only have, for us, one episode left after this. We'll be wow. talking about the last two episodes next week. Yeah. But, yeah, man, the fifth and sixth episode, we're like... And the home stretch now, getting We're some in real there. info. We're getting down to the people's childhoods and stuff. Yeah. This is a really, really interesting show, too, because it's so complex in nature. It has so many different levels to it. There's yeah. so many different theories about what the hell is happening. <laughs> so be sure to watch our whole episode and also stick around at the end. We'll be breaking down some of your theories and some popular theories on Reddit. Some other celebrities have weighed in their theories as well. We'll be talking about all of them. I can't wait to hear. Because, <laughs> man, I'm excited to hear your theories, too. You know what? I'm just, I have a theory, then it goes out. And then it's just like, you know what? <laughs> I'm just riding the wave. But it, it actually has me nervous. I was driving on my way here, and I'm like, looking around, looking around. Like, is it my day? Will I wake up tomorrow? Will I be killing a fly? It's just too much. The show is just, like, really affecting my real life. Yeah, because now that we're on, like, the fifth episode, they've died, as they say in this one, 15 times now. Yeah. And we're seeing a lot of different crazy ways for people to go. It's very, like... That Final Destination-esque. Not even Final Destination. A Thousand Ways to Die. I think oh. that was like a show of the past where it was just like, okay, I, I could even watch that. Me out. Like, oh, yes. Scared to like touch anything or do anything. <laughs> uh, so this was an interesting one, too, because we've had the same song, the Gotta Get Up, every single episode waking us up, starting us off. 
not necessarily every episode, only the ones where she has died and then is coming back to life at the start of the episode. This one we had front by Vex Rufin playing this like, Mm -hmm. which is kind of funny because they're kind of putting on a front a little bit, like trying to say that every day is new to them, but they have this well-rehearsed routine. Alan, though, comes to this party, sees Mike on the phone. Yo. Dude, that what was were you deep. thinking? Like, I was just like, drama. <laughs> what? Oh my gosh. I'm like, is Alan about to pop off at the party? I was hoping for it. I'm like, Alan, you got to go pop off on Mike. But yeah, I think, um, I don't, was the begin, beginning of the episode too, who, who mentioned you think he's going to pr- propose? That was, was B on the phone. Yeah. With Mike. Yeah. And, and we like, later see the other bummer. half of that conversation where she's saying, I think he's going to propose. Yeah. When he then later the takes Nadia at the door. It's so Drama. weird seeing all of these like connected. It just shows mm. how well this show is written. That every single thing interconnects and all of these people. But isn't that real life as well? And it's just like, wow, things, we're all connected in some type of yeah. way you would never imagine. And I think that's where that, well, it's a small world. But literally in this episode, it's a small <laughs> world. It's just like, wow. This is interesting, too, because this is the first time that we've had them really discussing right off the bat, okay, here are my theories of what are going on with ourselves and mm-hmm. kind of how we talked about in our special segment last week that some people think that it's a purgatory situation. That's what Alan thinks, is that he thinks that they're, it's a purgatorial punishment for being bad people, mm-hmm. whereas Nadia's like, we're not bad people, so no. Um <laughs> But even then, I feel like during that moment when she's like, okay, everyone at the party, tell me how, if I'm a bad person, in her voice, I'm trying to like, tell that me. That spot on. I was like, that's a really good I impression. I was trying it. But yeah, it's like, at that same time, what I was thinking at that moment is that instead of her asking, um, I can't think of the guy's name, the marriage she ruined, instead of John. going to the person who obviously has this this relationship issue with her and obviously feels like yo you keep bailing on me and instead of asking him she's asking all these people who could really probably care less i love that you bring that up because that was something too that horse is saying later on when he's talking about um the connectiveness of people we see a little later when uh he's saying you know i prefer acquaintances more than actual close relationships and strangers are the best of all of them because humanity is just effed. So it almost seems like that is echoed and that that's kind of her persona as well. And her mentality at this point mm-hmm. is that she has this room full, as Alan even says, you keep reliving this great party full of people that are there to celebrate you that you don't even like. Yeah, And it is this idea that she has all of these friends, but We've seen multiple times. She's not even at her own party and they don't seem to notice. Yeah. So it John's just seems the only like one who that's her thing. Like she's just like this. Even she expresses she has attachment issues. And that's like right off the bat. We're seeing that. And I think now that we're getting into her childhood and her mother, we see that she has this attachment issue. And it could come from like abandonment and all these other different things. And even with. Um, why do I keep forgetting this guy's name? John. John. Even with his daughter, she doesn't. Lucy. She doesn't want to be there. Yeah. Almost as if she has to take that role of a stepmother, mother, and it doesn't seem like she's willing to take that job. 
So it does seem that way that she, yeah, she has her priorities kind of all over the place. And I did mm. one thing that I thought was kind of interesting that this episode, when Alan is saying, you know, the guy who is cheating or that beast cheating on me with is here at the party. And she's like, I'll break his kneecaps later. Mm. But like right now we have bigger fish to fry <laughs> and how we keep talking about how there's no wasted lines. I'm like, yeah, the fish that are disappearing the fish is gone. Maybe those you can't fry them if they're gone. <laughs> yes. Find them. But then we come to her idea that, this is uh, all to do with the crystal door mm-hmm. that Lizzie and Maxine has designed and that this is a, quote, incredibly dense gravitational field <laughs> that's gaining consciousness to deliberately F with us. That was funny. Honestly, <laughs> I, honestly the door is just a nice door. At this point, I'm like, it could have been something. We don't know. I don't know. We don't know. I do want my bathroom to look like that, though. I, I think too. it's pretty dope. I like the the gun door handle. Yeah. Yeah. I love all of it. And you mentioned, too, when she was talking about how she bailed on Lucy, um, this conversation with John, where he's like, you know, you're asking me about my kid, but you don't really care because the one time you were supposed to meet her, you bailed. She said, no, I wanted to be there. I even had this book, Emily of New Moon, Mm -hmm. um, that was written by the same woman who loved, who wrote uh, Anne of Green Gables. But Mm. she doesn't love Anne. She loves Emily because Emily's a little bit darker. She's a little bit broken. I think that was kind of a little insight into her as well, is that she does want to have this connection, but she's scared. It's almost like this truncated reaching out where she starts to and then just pulls back. Yeah, because she was there. Right outside the window. And the little girl, so much like her, gave her the finger. She's like, oh, she's great. Love her already. But then she's like, I can't do it. I love that she does finally admit that, or finally say that she is going to go for that meeting, but but you still at that point i understand why at that point it is just blatant fear she doesn't want to traumatize this kid what do you think was the reason before because i mean also fear but i think it was just a fear of connecting yeah connecting and because we we also hear what who said that she looks like her mother with the hair and it's so funny that she looks like her mother her hair cut yeah does not want to be she doesn't want to remember her mother. She kind of wants to bury that. But at the same time, she's probably being like her mother. Maybe her mother was just too focused on her own to show her that love and that that care that a mother would show. And now she's kind of embodying that same thing, even though she doesn't like it. Yeah. But it's hard for her to even see it. Well, we'll probably get into when, you know, he put her the pictures up. The mom did have the same hair, the poofy yeah. hair. And it was, she's freaked out yeah this whole like cyclical nature of becoming the thing that you fear the most yes i know some people it's like oh you hate your mom but you're so similar but you are your mom (laughs) i'm like thank you mom for being awesome so shout out to my mom (laughs) i know we're gonna see a little bit of the mom too in uh next week's episodes we'll talk some more about that as well so i'm taking my time I know just because they have on the thumbnail, they have the picture. So I was like, all right, well, I didn't even see that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, oh, good. This is also the first time that we actually see Russian dolls. We see the actual Russian doll there is when um, she's going to go get the book from Ruth's house. Mm -hmm. And we see her actually take apart the Russian dolls. What I thought was interesting in this is that it actually shows each layer that it's the same person but different layers, a smaller version inside, mm-hmm. inside, and all of these different things that she's basically tried to make all of these personas the only people that she 
can depend on are just the people that she has inside her own self. Yeah. Where this whole episode, both of these episodes seem to be about the need for connection mm-hmm. and about needing to connect to other people. What did you think about seeing the Russian dolls kind of... I don't know. It was just like, wow. It's one of those things where, um, you know, the universe has its ways of communicating with you through symbols, through objects, through many different things. And you may not realize what they are at that moment. But later, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. Then you it clicks like, this is my life. I mean, she was obviously fascinated by it. Not to put my whole, like personal business or my own do it experiences but <laughs> i had an experience with crows and it was just so weird that they all sat behind my window and i'm like am i gonna die i thought it was a russian <gasps> doll experience i'm like no. i'm gonna die and but it was just like it wasn't until later that i realized like oh i get it i'm one of those people <laughs> I mean, they talk about all the symbolism in here and the duplicitous nature of life. I mean, we have yeah. Ruth flat out saying, you know, when she's asked, hey, if you're going to die today, would you be okay with it? And she's like, yes or no. How do you get to the yes? And she's like, you, you can't because I love the quote too. Holding two incompatible ideas in your head at the same time and accepting both of them, that's the best of being human. I love that. I just love that I like, line. That so deep. We got to Ruth. On I that. want Ruth to be my therapist. Yes. I'm like I would never leave. I I'd be love like it. let's just hang out all the time. But and then it's also because that's the truth. It's even like with the yin and the yang, you got to take the good and the bad. You have to embrace all of that. Yeah. It's life. It's <laughs> life. And then ultimately death if there's a gas explosion yeah. oh. multiple times. And then that's another thing. <laughs> I'm like their deaths, the the ways that they are dying. I'm like I wonder, it has to have some type of correlation to, like, the lesson that they need to learn. I don't know. I'm such a dream dictionary girl. I'm with you, though. If I'm like, why would, why did I get shot in my dream? What's going <laughs> on in my waking life? So I think, like, the explosion, she seen, she seen the dolls, and it was just like, boom. Yeah. So a literal like boom, boom. like mind blowing experience. It's crazy. I love too that immediately after they have this conversation and they die and then she's reunited with Alan. He's saying, you know, I know that you think that I'm just a moral narcissist, but there are good people and there are bad people. Like to him, there's still this delineation. There's still these two extremes, but mm. he also hasn't taken Ruth's advice, holding these two ideals in his head at the same time, having people who can be duplicitous in nature they can be like mike says you know i'm not a choice i'm the whole where a choice should be but that he could still be a valid person in someone else's life that he's still going through his own things it's not necessarily black and white good and bad That's i just amazing. oh i love it i love everyone's it everyone's going through their own stuff except you two are just dying over and over. <laughs> maybe they're dying over and over again and we just don't know their life you know <laughs> It's interesting this time, too, is that the first time we have them talking about how they each died, how Alan died and how um, Nadia died. Because when she says gas explosion, he's like, bike accident. And whereas the accident, the gas explosion is an accident, he's drunk on his bike. Like, he, it seems to be more of, like, more at fault for that death. Whereas Mm -hmm. the other is a pure accident. The second gas explosion, she's like, gas explosion again. He's like, I was hit by a car. That was also when he was really drunk and he was talking mm-hmm. to B and it was this whole thing where it seems like one of their being killed by their own fault seems to affect the other one to wow. then just randomly die at that time. Yeah. 
you know, because it doesn't they seem are like... dying at the same time. Yeah, that they ultimately figure out. But that's what was weird is going back and looking at the ways that they die. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, yeah, when one of you makes a mistake and it kills you, the other one has some random passive happenstance that happens to them. Mm-hmm. So it's like one active death and one passive death. Wow. Like, I didn't even think about that, but that is true. Yeah. I didn't think about it until I wrote them down. Like, I was, like, looking at how they died at the same time, and I was like, oh, well, what about that? Oh, look at that. You know what? I need to tell you my dreams. I feel like you would be able to, <laughs> hmm, well, if this is the, that's great. I'll be You're like, good. Ruth, just break it apart. I'm like, let's go, let's go have let's a little chit-chat over some down. chicken. <laughs> now, this, I thought, was pretty interesting, too, because we also see... After this set of deaths, this 15th death is when Ruth accidentally shoots Nadia. Oh, so good. It was so intense when she's like crying in the mirror when she wakes up from her death and comes to the realization, what if they continue? What if these are multiple dimensions? What if these our storyline ends but theirs continues does that mean that ruth has had to grieve for my death 15 times and those different dimensions yeah so she doesn't even know the other ruth and how she's grieving (laughs) like we don't know yeah it's like a a different storyline but i thought that moment was so intense because yeah she did wake up with tears but it's like one of those dreams. Again, I'm in my dream dictionary. You know when you, you have a dream and you wake up and you're like, oh, my God, I felt that. Yeah. And she woke up and she felt that. But even laying there, that was the I think that was the first time we seen her feel her death. Whereas before, it was just like, happen, wake up. Happen, wake up. This time, she's like emotionally feeling everything. She's already admitted yeah. that she feels the pain every time that she does. Like, she can feel it every time. Uh-huh. But this is the first time We're I think it's been emotional it. pain. Yeah. yeah. Because the physical pain is gone as soon as she wakes up. Mm-hmm. You know, we even see with her finger, like, the actual, the right. burns and everything. The the consequences of them are gone. Mm-hmm. Whereas this is the first time she's, like, in 15 universes, she's alone. Yeah. And it's because, you know, how many times did I just fall down the stairs and just... You know, be like, well, it's going to restart anyway. Yeah. Because that seems to be the mentality of when she gets the ash on the, the table. And she's like, it's going to reset anyway. It's going to reset anyway. And this he's is... still trying to like, no, yeah. girl, stop smoking in my house. I like his attitude because it's like, <laughs> me and you, we're going to die someday. But we still do this. We still wake up. We still handle our like activities. Just like he still goes to the gym. I wouldn't do this. that, though. I'm like, Mm-mm. If you just knew, it would just be like whatever no why would i be spending my whole day working out when i know that i'm just gonna wake up and like all of those results are gone you might meet some fun people at the gym you might (laughs) he just works out alone though like that's the the whole thing is that neither of these people are connected they don't have any sort of you know this oh that's so crazy it's it's kind of sad really but then i did think that it was interesting too when they're at the party and maxine and john are are um Maxine and Mike are both looking at the painting and then Alan comes in and, you know, tries to throw in his two cents where, you know, they're saying, why is art not appreciated as much as it was 30 years ago? And his response is the internet. And Mike is just like AIDS. He's like, (laughs) I would never, he's like, I would never be able to just talk about AIDS at a party. Like what, like what's your deal, dude? I'm like, I wanted to know, like, come on, explain Mike. AIDS? (laughs) I get what he's saying is he's like, because so many great, when the AIDS epidemic happened, so many great artists were like wiped out from this epidemic that was not dealt with properly at the time. And it seems to be other people. 
uh-huh. other artists. Yeah, who it just seems like all of these conversations keep coming back to you know, like he talks about you know genocide, and he talks about the Holocaust, and he talks about slavery, and he talks about yeah. AIDS crisis. All of these are like Mike seems to be the one who is this beacon of death almost that all of his conversations are about these horrific scenarios where people are killed but he romanticizes it he's so much like a professor this is how they pretty much teach your classes it's so weird yeah and he even uses like the john updike conversation to hit on nadia the very first (laughs) very first go round. this is interesting too though because and we'll talk a little bit later about this this will be in the what the hell is happening segment at the end the numbers that make up this painting yes that are a repeated set of numbers a lot of people have some pretty intense theories about those we won't dive into that too Uh much right now because we'll save that for the (laughs) end for what the hell do these numbers mean (laughs) i'm like i got an idea i study a little numerology sometimes okay (laughs) I'm just kidding, y'all. Don't stay tuned. I don't really know. We're going to figure it out. <laughs> Still stay tuned, though. Still stay tuned. <laughs> Not for what I got to say. <laughs> if people want to uh, hear about what all of us have to say at all of our AfterBuzz shows, how can yeah. they do that as well? Well, before we move on to our next topic, we just wanted to say thank you for making us the ESPN of TV talk. For us to continue to grow, we do need your help. If you're on YouTube right now, hit that thumbs up button and subscribe. And if you're on iTunes, Please give us a five-star rating, but no matter where you are, leave us a comment so you can get involved in this conversation. Being a part of AfterBuzz TV has meant so much to us all, and we truly appreciate you supporting us in doing what we love. Don't forget to tell your friends and keep enjoying our shows. Yes. And let us know what you think about all of this craziness that is Russian Doll, because every time we uncover one layer, like a Russian Doll, there's another one underneath. <laughs> but before we kind of wrap up of this episode, one thing I thought was really interesting, Alan, when he wakes up in Maxine's apartment after the party, when he's passed out, even though Nadia isn't there, Nadia's at his house trying to buzz in, we get the exact same conversation that we overhear where Maxine is saying, is cyanide sweet? Is that why Jim Jones put it in the... Which is weird because that means that that conversation has cycled back even without Nadia being there because the impetus of it was that she feels that chivalry is a sweetness that she doesn't want. It's like cyanide. Mm -hmm. So something else has triggered this sweetest cyanide conversation to then circle back to Maxine, ultimately her tag, which is, I should start my own religion. Which makes me wonder if that is somehow connected because that's the only thing where the the impetus for that conversation wasn't there and yet the conversation still happened. Only Alan is the one who's hearing it this time instead of Nadia. Oh, man. That's the only one that I was like, (laughs) I don't know what's happening. That's why I'm looking at you. I'm like, well, what do you have to say about that? Because I have no idea. I have to say that my mind is exploding. Much like both of theirs did when that air conditioner hit them. (laughs) I'm like, wow. That is a way to end an episode, though. It's like, I told you, I think we're both dying at the same time. Air conditioner crushes you both. Yeah, okay. All right. Then I think you you might be right now. You might be right. We're going to show you right now. (laughs) Doom. I just thought that that was a little throwback to the elevator. Mm -hmm. Same time. (laughs) Same time. I'm like, all right, all right. So we've. 
we come up with a little bit of knowledge at the end of this episode. We know to this point they're both dying at the same time. Mm-hmm. We don't know how they're connected. But I personally think it's because when one of them does something that ends up causing their death, the other one just has an accidental reaction because they're somehow tied in. Yeah. This is interesting, though, going into the next episode, episode six, Reflection. Ooh, Reflection. Ooh, we got a lot to reflect on on this episode, too, because this one was pulling no punches. Yes. Or pins. Nadia's stabbing poor Alan in the leg to make sure they're not the same person. (laughs) Even though we've already, like he said, we already established. Don't do this to me. And she's like, I'm sorry, man. I just had to make, like, definitively sure. To me, I'm okay with that because at this point, everything is kind of pointing to them being the same person. So I like that the writers are like, don't forget, they're not. Yeah. But also poor Alan. He's like, go out. (laughs) It's interesting, too, going through, they're trying to find how they're related in a way, how they connect. Mm -hmm. And Alan has three siblings. His parents are alive. Mm -hmm. Nadia has a very difficult only child past that we're diving into a little bit here with Ruth. Mm -hmm. But in all of this time, the one thing that they kind of figure out is that he owns a game that Nadia designed. Crazy. I was like, look at that. And he doesn't like, he's like this. That he doesn't like. This is another one that we'll dive into more into what the hell is happening. Because I feel like, where the numbers played a bigger role in the last episode, the game plays a bigger role in this one because where he's saying, you know, this whole thing is that you created an impossible game with a single character who has to solve everything entirely on her own. And that's hearkening back to this whole thing of you can't do everything on your own. You need other people. You need this connection. Mm-hmm. And the game is the legend of Aradni or Ariadne, mm-hmm. um, depending on how you pronounce it. I say Ariadne because I looked it up and that's how it says, but couple said different ways. Um, but I thought this was so interesting too because she says the trick is to find the labyrinth keeper mm-hmm. who's based on Tatum O'Neill, but with my haircut. I'll get a little bit more into this in predictions, but I feel like the labyrinth keeper may potentially be horse. I think so. Because his whole fascination with her hair and her, like, yeah. cutting her hair and everything. And and even trick... him saying, like, I'm I'm better this way. He's like, this yeah. lifestyle works for me. So he seems like a very interesting guy. Like, I just want to know more. I want just talk to him the whole show. Obviously not the whole show. That wouldn't be that entertaining. <laughs> but haven't you met those type of people where you're like, yeah. oh, my God, tell me more. So I just tell me know. more. Yeah. Tell me more. Are you a labyrinth key? <laughs> it might be him. Or just homeless in the streets. Which one? Come on. <laughs> Give us something, horse. Something. Um, but then, yeah, Nadia's talking about, you know, the first time that she dies and asks Alan the first time he dies. He doesn't remember. And she's like, well, this is our Jahari window. This is our only unknown. Like, the only known is this unknown. This is the one constant we need to figure out. How you died the first time. Or what we think is the first time. Because remember, horse, she remembered. Yeah. Even, I, mm, there's we don't so know. much going on oh here. It's God. too much. Um, I did like, though, that the they get the feedback or the, the backstory on the mother and a little bit about the mirrors. Where she's like, don't even get me started on the mirrors. She shattered all the mirrors. 
and the mirrors being this huge thing. And they're saying, why? And she's like, reflection, proof of existence, another pair of eyes. And that then ultimately the mirrors all disappear this episode. So I don't think that that's a coincidence that this was introduced, that it was her mother's fear of mirrors that then ultimately at the end of this episode, we see all of the mirrors are now gone. We've seen everything kind of altering. Like we've seen the the fruit decaying throughout. We saw yeah. the fish disappear, the flowers dying. But this is the first time that we've seen where this conversation about her mental situation, her mm-hmm. the, the traumatic things that she says, you know, it's not that bad. Yeah. The almost the version of herself that she has buried within herself, Russian doll style, is actually making physical adjustments to the space around her yeah it's just so crazy that she doesn't want to acknowledge that she's just like okay we're not talking about these mirrors moving on but even with her mother and the the betty boop and all of this other stuff and then the necklace like we're seeing all this stuff with the mom and it's just so like wow i can't wait for her to finally face those um traumas yeah and her internal demons that that look like her russian doll style like she looks like her mom i feel like that's i think because the title of this show too is just so much there's so much to unpack literally and figuratively in a russian doll (laughs) (laughs) honestly i did like though the show always has the comedic relief and when they find their other connection is they're like when she's talking about ruth and he says it's i'm afraid of being called crazy and we see this as a recurring theme, too, is that they both have this fear of being called crazy. They both have this fear of actual therapy because they're scared of what they'll discover about themselves. He's also, you know, if it's like you said you were scared of spiders and I said, here's a box of spiders. She's like, well, I think of Ruth more of as praying mantis and as somebody who's deathly allergic to bees. I find that to be reassuring. Mm-hmm. Then they're like, oh, I'm allergic to bees, too. Well, then I guess we'll encounter some bees. Cut and to a billion bees, bees in the subway. <laughs> that oh, one. Wow. That killed me. It's like they're like, they're putting them. it out there and then they're getting it. <laughs> I loved that. And I feel like that was also, it seems like they're kind of dictating this world a little bit more. Because when something is referenced, then that's when it comes up. Mm-hmm. Um, we even see like the mirror when they die after the bees is Nadia is there like in front of the mirror. And then we see the mirror art on the wall mm-hmm. of Alan's apartment. Which the first time that I watched it, I didn't catch that there's like this broken mirror art piece, like a mm-hmm. mirror collage that ultimately disappears at the end as well. It's not just the mirrors that they appear in front of them. It's all the mirrors. Yeah. All the mirrors are gone. Ooh. Ooh, so intense. they need to figure it out. That is what's going on. They need to figure it out. Let's go to therapy. Let's do it together. <laughs> Well, one thing they do decide to do together mm. is to kind of go... Oh, I thought you were talking oh. about the freak nasty. Oh, that too. I'm like, that's what... They... <laughs> well, that led in because Nadia's saying, okay, let's retrace your steps the first night. And then they get mm-hmm. the other side of the conversation with B that we heard Mike when on the he... other end. I was dying laughing when she said, are your pictures from all from Urban Outfitters? <laughs> yes! <laughs> I was like, she came in throwing shade. Like, girl, first off. <laughs> And then I love, too, that she has the, where she's like, you know, I never stick my neck out for anybody, but I feel like Rocky right now. Like, that's the first time that we actually see them breaking down their their walls and kind of his OCD, his 
compulsion to control everything and to fix everything yeah and her idea that she just wants to be completely autonomous she doesn't want to really be ingrained in anybody else's business and now she's like it actually feels pretty good getting mm-hmm. to tell her to <laughs> f off and that she's gonna miss out on some banging erections which then she later finds out <laughs> for herself whether or not that statement was true right I mean, what did you think about that when they hooked up? I thought it was the hottest. I don't know. <laughs> if I was going through something like this, that would be an experience. I would be like, wow. I was waiting for it already. I'm like, they have to smash. I didn't I didn't know if it was going to happen because he's such an awkward character. That is like, am I really going to smash this guy? But we're drunk at the bar. And once he said, I screw you better than Mike, I'm like, Oh, you talking. Let's find out. That type of stuff will get me. Like, oh, for real? Let's see. I'll let you know. The only thing at the bar scene that I that threw me a little bit was just when <laughs> she's like, uh, bartendress, more drunk, please. And she just already has two shots in her hands. Like, I was like, you just ready? You're just ready with two shots in your hand? Like, what is this bar? More they... drunk, please? Yeah. Like, I want to go to this bar where they yes. just know what you want before you even have to order it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, then she's talking about her crew grand, her necklace, and how mm-hmm. that was supposed to be her college fund, but her mother squandered it. We also have her referencing that her grandparents were Holocaust victims. Right. And we have Mike previously talking about the Holocaust mm-hmm. and the overlay with, you know, the, the slavery concept and with everything as well and how these different narratives overlay. So I felt like this was almost a reference kind of hearkening back to that with like these two yeah. stories kind of intermingled but then her mother being the real impetus and the real cause for most of these drama her mother yeah. squandered her college complete college fund, fund and gave her yeah. a pretty necklace a pretty necklace that's that was heavy i like how she said that this was heavy and it's like so she's taking it step by step i i feel like she's going to get to the bottom of her issues because she's like you know what let me let this go if y'all listen to erica badu back lady just gotta let it go yes and she did so she did i loved it yeah i loved that too where she's talking to horse this conversation i thought was pretty deep too because we find out horse's backstory he was Mm -hmm. helping create the dark web in the 90s and his friend got busted and that's what made him decide okay well then i'm out i'm i'm done with my computer programming which is what we've seen Nadia does, her game programming. The connection there, they have so many things in common. And just the choices that they make has led them on these different paths. And we're talking about numbers. What is technology? It's numbers. (laughs) It's a language of numbers, literally, of binary code. Mm -hmm. And this idea... And what are we? Are we not numbers? Are you not born with a number? Coded. Mm. I'm into it. And I like, too, that she goes back to, you know, after she's saying, after he says, the more stuff you accumulate, the more space you take up. Now I'm a shadow. She's like, I feel like I'm a shadow, too. Mm. They go to Ferran's store, and this is when she pieces together, oh, here's horse right here. I saw Alan the first night. That was the guy. Mm-hmm. And finally makes that connection where she's like, how do you know Alan? And as asking Ferran yeah. what that situation is. I just, I loved that up until the point that she comes home to, you know, basically Alan. share this news with Alan. 
after stealing his shoes and giving them to horse. Mm -hmm. And she's so mad that he's messed with her stuff, which we saw at the beginning of the first episode. He's annoyed that she's messing with his stuff. And he's like, I have all of it very particular in his mind. He's helping her by cleaning up her nasty apartment. Right. And then look at her. That's even, it's so interesting that when you go to people's home and the way that, you know, if I see someone, things are scattered and all this stuff, I'm like, oh, their mind is very scattered. Yeah. They have a very scattered mind. And whereas, like, he's just so different. It's, it fits them. The way they live fit exactly who they are. And, it, yeah, it's interesting that he, she was in his stuff. Yeah. Just, you know, like, messing up his routine and his space and his energy. And then when it was done to her, she just flipped. Out. They're both kind of hypocritical. Yeah, in that. but like, it definitely was touching a soft spot in her because she walked in and sees her mother. Yeah. And I'm guessing her as a kid. Yeah, so. and then when she goes to talk to Ruth and is saying, you know, humanity is overrated, but this is when Ruth flat out says, we need other people. Mm-hmm. And this is when she's like, other people are garbage. But mm-hmm. ultimately, that's when she chokes on the chicken bone, too. And this chicken. those words, girl. Yes! This mm-hmm. chicken has made such a symbolic appearance, too. Like, yeah. between Maxine's birthday chicken and then the, like, chicken that she's having that's her nourishing re- reaffirmation that she has in the kitchen earlier with Ruth to mm-hmm. now her choking on this chicken bone when she's trying to deny her association with other people and her yeah. connection with other people. Also, her inability to forgive. Yeah. That was a, a theme that came up between her and Ruth is that she's unable to forgive and specifically forgiving her mother. And it seems to boil down to this fear, this physically, this being chicken, which, yeah, it's like, talk to your mom. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, then ultimately after choking on the, I have to make sure that I say on the choking on the chicken. (laughs) Right. I was like, that was a different scene earlier. We already <laughs> talked about that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it's just getting too well. <laughs> um, but then when her saying, you know, this is, this, there's no mirror in the bathroom because that's a statement on narcissism and on waste and on the beauty industrial complex, like Maxine's whole whatever that she's just giving, mm-hmm. whatever her <laughs> rationale is for why there was never a mirror. But I love that. When all of the mirrors are gone, even the mirror by, like, the art by the door, Nadia comes in and says, I just, I do not want to do this alone. And this is when she finally admits, like, it's time to stop being a chicken. It's time to stop choking on this chicken. It's time to, like, step up, use my words and say, I need somebody to help me. And Alan drops the bombshell of, I remembered my first death. I threw myself off of a roof. What were you thinking in that moment? Because that oh. was such a bombshell that was like, what? Yeah. It, it was for me, it was like, how did I miss that? How didn't I put that together that he probably killed himself? Because even Beatrice was just like, I was afraid that you were going to do something. Like, she's been trying to protect him because she's probably just already, you know, figured it out that he probably will hurt himself. And I don't think she was in fear for herself, but just for him. So it was just like, that was a very deep moment. And to walk in to see him just like breaking down, like, wow, 
I killed myself. And being that he killed himself, he couldn't remember that. Yeah. Which almost makes you wonder because we are taking for granted that Nadia's first death when she's hit by the car is her first death. But we see the first episode, she kind of remembers horse but doesn't know from what. So it almost makes you wonder, okay, well, is that really her first death as well? Or did something happen that she's not remembering? Oh, my gosh. It's so, so many layers. So many layers, which is why we got to, do you want to just dive into this special segment? I mean, wait, one sec. Where was I going with this? Because he's even asking her, like, when they were at the bar, he's like, okay, you're questioning me. Let's question you. And she's like, "Mm," you know, she's not really trying to dive into her situation when they're both going through the same thing. Yes. So that's a good point. Maybe she did. You don't Maybe. know. I don't know. Oh my gosh. You didn't open something else up in my mind. <laughs> Should we dive into our special segment? What yes. the hell is happening? And try to figure out what the hell is happening? Yes. That's what I'm using as our audio drop. I'll just make it. What the hell is happening? <laughs> so this is an intricate one because there's a couple mm. things we'll go back first i guess to the the very first episode to uh well not the very first episode but the first one that we talked about tonight mm-hmm. um when we see all of the numbers that are in this painting when maxine is saying you know i feel that there is a beauty there is a validation in and merit in copying and plagiarism mm-hmm. and we <laughs> see that there is basically this idea that both of their scenarios are kind of copying each other So we wonder, what do these numbers have to do with anything? The numbers that are repeated to create this art are 7819291965, which some people thought could be potentially uh, her phone number, but that's a Massachusetts area code, so Mm -hmm. probably not. Also... I don't know whose number that is. Don't call it. Like, (laughs) Wait, let's repeat. You said 71781. Mm-hmm. 929-1965. And some Redditors have gone through here and have picked some pretty awesome ideas, actually, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, one, we keep talking about Jim Jones, and we keep talking about, you know, that was the one conversation that echoed back even without Nadia being there to give the impetus for it to start. Jim Jones moved to California in 1965. Mm. Um, and died in 1978. Um, There's no cyanide attacks in New York in 1929. Um, They don't really know the significance of that one, but they were saying that some someone was polishing silverware with cyanide and was poisoning people at at posh hotels in Mm. 1929. There were cyanide attacks in New York. So not the Jim Jones one, but both of those numbers... Both of those dates corresponded with cyanide killings. Mm. Um, there's also some other historical <laughs> events. <laughs> so deep. <laughs> I know, right? It's crazy. And then um, they did notice, too, that between that 1929 and 1965 are exactly 36 years apart. 78 was the infamous Jim Jones Kool-Aid massacre that they referenced. You know, she keeps dying on her 36th birthday. So it's 36 years difference between those two dates, and it's her 36th birthday that she keeps reliving. Wow. And the first one is 1978, which is Jim Jones's whole cyanide thing that keeps coming back and referencing. Yeah, so this makes it hard. Like, what does this 
have to do um, it's intense it's like all of these it's also um the surrealist manifesto was made in 1929 um and then there are some other references to that as well so basically we see Nadia at the beginning saying and that's what you call an easter egg when she's playing the game mm-hmm. um so i think it's pretty interesting too that this is kind of an easter egg that's dropped in for us potentially if you guys have any theories on what these numbers mean please let us know because i've just been staring at them and i'm starting to get a little beautiful mind-esque well did you add them up i didn't add them up see that's what i was thinking add them up what'd you get when you added them up i i exited out i want to say maybe 57 but i feel like i could have left out a number hmm I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot. I also I've want to honestly know... just been looking into like life path numbers and stuff. So I got my life path numbers. I'm like, oh my God, so relevant. So I'm like, maybe if we add these numbers I feel up. Like, yeah, there has to be some numerology thing because she also is very specific about the amount that her college fund was. Was very one, specific. Yeah, $152,780.86. Okay, so we're going to do some math after this. I want to add those up. You didn't think this was a math show, but <laughs> what's up, Russian doll? We got lots Everything of layers. Everything is math. <laughs> and Everything is math. Everything is math. Even the coding of the game, it all goes mm-hmm. back to the same numerological impact. The game itself, uh, we mentioned a little bit, The Legend of Ariadani. I feel like I'm saying that wrong. However we're going to pronounce that, I'm just going to let you have it. I say Aridney, but I think that's wrong. Mm. But anyway, I'm going to say Aridney. Uh, <laughs> she was uh, a Cretan princess. This is the name of the game that she created, is the legend of Aridney, mm-hmm. um, which also is the name of the last episode, I believe. Um, but this was uh, in Greek mythology. She was the princess who was the kind of the goddess of mazes, labyrinths, vegetation which i thought was interesting too because when she's having that conversation with horse horse is like here follow me and she's like what and he's like i got plants and i thought that was such a weird thing i, I didn't know like, if he meant marijuana that's what i thought I'm but like, then they were like huffing stuff so i was yeah. like so what is that line but she was literally the goddess of vegetation mm. paths fertility wine snakes and passion mm. so the whole th- premises was that she was guarding the um the labyrinth that the Minotaur and uh, Theusis was put in, and she was supposed to basically have all of these sacrifices go through this maze. She ends up saving all of the sacrifices instead. Mm. And so it's this whole idea of what, you know, was supposed to be death that she then thwarts because she is the labyrinth key. She's the... I feel like horse has to have something to do with it. Horse knows. I think so. I think so. So we got to kind of wrap up here, but any quick predictions before we head on out? Your After Buzz TV predictions. All right, guys. So I do not have any predictions. I'm honestly, I haven't had a prediction in a while Mm -hmm. because I'm just like, I come in here, I'm thinking something, and then it's totally wiped out. (laughs) But all I have to say is do your math, period. (laughs) (laughs) I think ultimately horse is going to play a bigger role than, For sure. than is being led on because it seems like maybe he is the key to breaking yeah. this labyrinth and breaking this puzzle. And it is a situation that, like the game, they're going to keep dying if they try to do it alone. They have to work together. She and Alan have to find each other, but there's another part that's 
part it's of like it. the video game you have to like if you're in pokemon you got to go up to the little guy yeah hey where do i go you know what's like even <laughs> when she's going to get the book it seems like that was just a very you know like a quest like a mission and then she kept dying you know she kept having wow. it's like mission quest the objective i play a lot of video games so. yeah it's like that when i'm in grand theft auto you know i'm trying to hit <laughs> yes! a lick which shout out to Grand Theft Auto Rockstar Games which is kind of alluded to with her saying she worked for rock and roll games look at that everything's connected look at this all connected we're even becoming connected here I love it and we love again connecting with you guys so please rate comment subscribe let us know what you're thinking we love hearing your YouTube comments give us some iTunes comments too we don't hear from you guys as much on iTunes we want to know what you think when you're listening Um, but in the meantime where can everybody keep up with you hey everyone so you can find me on all social media platforms at Imani Ajak and ImaniJTV.com where I'm covering everything pop culture and I'm Elena Jordan. You can find me on Twitter at Elena Jordan and on Instagram at Elena J. Jordan. And you can find us here next week. Same time, same place. Yeah. Bye. Don't die Our before founder, that. Kevin Undergaro, <laughs> and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first. We're the biggest in the world. And we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principal.